Ok, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Thumma amma ba'd, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. Let's first talk about uh, translating this uh, a little bit, and then we'll talk about some of its implications. One of the most important that we're engaged in conversation with Allah, I mentioned, there's a few other things to consider. So the words, iyaka na'budu, if you translate them word by word by word, you would say, you, we worship. Uh, I don't personally like the translation necessarily worship because there's more going on here. We willingly enslave ourselves to you. We will, it's not just worship, it goes beyond worship into slavery. This is corresponding with actually the word uh, Rabb above in the surah. And so it's worship and then beyond. Okay? Because again, worship is just at the, at the time where you're doing an act of worship, but you're making a commitment to Allah. Now the thing here is also, because of the way it's organized, Allah did not say here, or we don't say because of Allah's revelation, na'buduka, we worship you. We say, you, we worship. So the order is unusual. You don't normally talk like that. You don't say, a sandwich I ate. You know? Or, you know, a car I drove. You don't, you, I, I drove a car. But when you make the arrangement unusual and say, you, we worship, Actually, the meaning of only comes out. In other words, only you we worship. Now, some, some people assume that the word iya means only. It doesn't. The word iya does not mean only. It's because of the arrangement that actually the, the meanings of only come forward. Okay? So we, and now, I'll offer you what I think is a decent way to capture the meaning. It is only to you. This is going to sound really long and annoying, but that's how I'm going to do it. It is only to you that we willingly give ourselves in slavery and worship. It is only to you that we give ourselves in slavery and worship. Now, this is now time to use only, isn't it? Before, was there only or not? It wasn't used. Alhamdulillah, lillahi alhamd. Remember that? Hamd only belongs to Allah, but no, Allah said, Alhamdulillah. What's happening here? is that the phrase Alhamdulillah, I told you it could be two things, it could be informational and it could be what? Emotional. You know, Allah created the human being in two molds. We have a mind and we have a heart. We have decisions that are made because we think about them and we have decisions that are made because our heart is compelled towards them. You marry someone because you're obsessed with them, that's not something you really thought about. لَيْسَ فِي الْحُبِّ مَجُورَ Okay? A mother is in love with her son even though he's a donkey. There's no logical explanation, it's just emotional. You understand? There are, part, there are parts of our life that only have to do with our emotions and there are parts of our life that only have to do with our thinking. Like you, you go to a university because you thought about it and what's the best educational option for you, etc, etc, etc. Yes? Now the thing is, Alhamdulillah, being both an emotional and an intellectual, informational reality. You know what that means? That human beings thought about what Allah said. That all praise and gratitude belongs to this ultimate being, Allah, who is Rabbil Alameen, who's Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, who's Maliki Yawmiddin. They thought about it. They gave it serious consideration. But as they were thinking about it, their emotions were also rattled. They were shaken not only in their minds, but they were shaken also in their hearts. Which means there's a complete, like, earthquake inside of them and they couldn't help but themselves but come to this conclusion and this conclusion is not only emotional and is not only intellectual it is both it is both 
I am heart and mind together coming to the conclusion that I'm going to give myself to you in slavery and I'm going to give myself to you in worship. That's the conclusion I've reached. This is actually almost like someone converting. You know someone heard about God and they converted? They say, you know what, I'm ready to be, I'm ready to start this relationship with you. Like taking shahada almost. You know, Fatiha is literally like a conversion every time. It's literally a conversion. You're st- I mean, you've been a slave your whole life, but you stand in front of Allah and say, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ Like you're starting. Every Fatiha is you restarting with Allah. Revisiting why you believe in Allah. Revisiting why you are a slave of Allah. Why you should be worshipping Allah. You know, this is one of the most fundamental truths of Islam that is overlooked. We must go back to why we are Muslim over and over and over again. We can never exist as an ummah if we say we're Muslim because our parents are Muslim. We're just Muslim just because. We have to go back to why. If our religion is reduced to just recitation, just celebration, just some acts of rituals and worship, and we have no idea why, why we came to Allah to begin with, then our religion will be gone. It'll be like this shell, this empty shell, and nothing is left inside. That's all that's going to be left. Fatiha itself is screaming that people go back to the basics. People go back to why they are believers. And refresh their commitment to Allah. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ Now, and by the way, when I say give myself in slavery, we talked about this before, you are a worshipper in salah, but you are a slave in between also, yes? You know what that means. I made a commitment to Allah that I'm not going to cross the other side of the fence in between the salahs. In between the salahs. I'm not going to cross the line. That's my commitment to Allah. And every time a few hours go by, I need to remind myself I need to stay within the line. And then I need to remind myself again. And then I need to remind myself again. Now, I made my commitment to Allah. Is that an easy commitment or a hard commitment? Be honest. It's a tough commitment. Because when you make a commitment with someone important, it's a lot of pressure on you. When you make a promise to a high power, <laughs> there's no higher power than Allah. And you just made a commitment. You just said, I am your slave. I'm ready to go. Now you've, you're, you're signed a contract with Allah. But you realize that you're not very capable. You're not going to be the very best slave. You're going to have a lot of mistakes. You're going to forget. So you're going to have to need some help. Because you can't be a slave on your own. It's really hard. So what do you do immediately as soon as you make the commitment, which is really hard? You say to Allah, وَإِيَّاكَ nastani. We seek your help and only your help. This is also really powerful for a lot of people who say, I want to make tawbah. But you know, it's really hard. I'm all by myself. I don't have any help. I don't have any support. You know, it's so difficult for me to learn. It's so difficult for me to change how I dress, change how I talk, change my friends. You know, it's just too hard. I want to be Allah's slave. I want to come back to Allah. But it's just that I have no help. Fatiha answers that question. If you want to be the slave of Allah, you don't have to look for help. It's already there. Just recite the Fatiha. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'een. You don't have to have any other friends. You don't have to have any other support. 
You don't have to have any resources at your disposal. All you need is ask Allah that you're the only one that can help me. And the help will come. Guaranteed. It's His words. It's such a powerful solution. It kills all the people who procrastinate in turning back to Allah. Their excuse just dies. It just dies. All you have to know, you don't have to know some exhaustive tafsir to be able to answer that. Just the Fatiha has every answer. <laughs> Literally, it opens the doors to so many people's hearts if it's just explained in the right way. You know? Now let's go back a little bit and understand something. You got to know Allah as Rabbil Alameen. You got to know Him as Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. You got to know Him as Maliki Yawmiddin. Then you have three reasons, or actually even more. The fact that He deserves praise and gratitude makes you want to be His Abd. The fact that He's Rabbil Alameen, who better Rabb to accept? I'm going to be a slave to something anyway. If I'm not a slave to Him, I'm going to be a slave to myself. I better pick the right master, so I want to be His slave anyway. Nobody's going to be as loving and caring to me, including myself, as he is. Might as well turn, turn it into a relationship with him. So turn to him and become his abd anyway. On judgment day, I want his mercy, I don't want his justice. And his mercy will go to his ibad, his abd. I want to be his slave. Any, all these reasons have now been given to you to be his abd. And now that you've become his abd, you're worthy of his help. You know, you've learned before, I'm pretty sure, that the purpose of our creation was that we worship Allah. I didn't create jinn and human being except for one purpose, that they worship me. That they worship me. So, you know, it's beautiful that Allah mentioned slavery first, help second. You make the commitment to Allah first, then you ask Him for help. You fulfill your purpose. Your purpose is not to get the help of Allah. Your purpose is to become a slave. Yeah, that's why we didn't ask for help first. The getting the help from Allah is a benefit. First you do the job, then you get the benefits. Iyaka na'budu is your job, Iyaka nasta'in is your benefits. Responsibility and benefits. They go hand in hand. Another way of looking at the order of Iyaka na'budu wa Iyaka nasta'in very powerful, is that actually one part of this is for Allah and the other part is for you. When you say na'budu, iyaka na'budu, it is to Allah. When you say I need help, it is for who? So what you want to do for Allah should come first and what you want for yourself should come second. It's good manners. It's good manners. We're learning a principle in our life. If you want Allah's help, be enslaved to Him. Be, commit yourself to Him. And the help is guaranteed. Then we have to talk a little bit about the word nasta'in. So nasta'in, which we translate as we seek your help only. Yes? Only, only your help do we seek. There's a couple of things to talk about here. The first of them is the Arabic language is really vast. So it has lots of words for help. You know, aun is one of them which is being used here. But nusra, madad. There's different words in Arabic to help. The one that's being used here is very particular. And a few ulama like commented on the nature of isti'ana. And I want to explain that to you with some silly examples because that's all I know how to do. Uh, you, have a, you were driving your car and you had a flat tire. You go over to the side of the road. You're sitting in the driver's seat. 
Somebody drives by, stops their car. You say, can you help me? I have a flat tire. Yeah, I can help you. You sit in the driver's seat. They take out the tire. They're lifting it. And you're looking at them from the rear view mirror. Good job, good job. You can do it, you can do it. You ask for help, yes? Another situation is you had a flat tire. You pulled over. Somebody came to help. Could you help me? Because when you were already trying to lift the car with the jack, but you couldn't lift it anymore, and then you said, could you help me? And they came and helped you. Are these two people the same? No. One person asked for help without putting any effort themselves. Another person did whatever they could, and then they asked for help. Yes? Isti'ana is actually help when you are exhausted yourself. You're doing everything yourself, and you know you can't do any more, and you say, I cannot finish this by myself, I need your help. But who started the effort? You did. If you don't start the effort, you have no right to ask for isti'ana. That's not what the word means. It actually means you have to put the work in yourself first. And in, in this lies a very powerful concept of the help of Allah in Islam. Through the Qur'an, there's a very simple but very powerful concept of who gets the help of Allah and how does the help of Allah come. If you want the help of Allah, if I want the help of Allah, how does it come in our lives? It's very simple. It's very powerful but very simple. Look, there are two extremes. One extreme is, Allah does everything, I can do nothing. You heard that one? Allah's help hasn't come, that's why I don't have a job. Allah's help hasn't arrived, that's why the business is not doing good. Allah's help hasn't arrived, that's why my daughter's not getting married. Etc, etc, etc. Blame everything on who? Allah's help didn't come yet. What's the other extreme? The other extreme is everything good that happens is because I did the work. I did the search. I got the education. I applied for the job. I did really good in the interview. I, 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 I. What help of Allah? I did it myself. What are you talking about? Two extremes. One extreme thinks everything happened because of them. And the other extreme thinks everything happens because of Allah. Both extremes. And they're both wrong. They're both wrong. In the Qur'an they're both wrong. Here's the thing. If you want to understand the simple and powerful formula, understand that there are two parts. There is effort and there are results. Please remember these two words. Effort and what? Results. Allah is asking you for your best effort. Results will always be in the hands of Allah. Now, Allah will not give results ever to people who don't give Him any effort. Because you made effort, the results came from Allah. This extreme, the extreme that thinks everything happens because of them, they say this incorrectly. They say, because I made effort, results came. This one says, no matter how much effort I make or don't make, doesn't matter, results only come from Allah. But the middle course, the Qur'an's course is, you give me your best effort, I will give you the results. Don't ask for results if you don't give me effort. Don't get frustrated you're not seeing results if you don't see, give me effort. Especially in the matters of deen. We're turning to Allah and we're asking His help. But the most balanced way of asking for help. It's on the one hand, human effort, and the other hand, divine help. Combined together. In this word, This is the commitment we made to Allah. I'll keep going continuously because we're short on time. I'll move on to the next halaqa. You've had enough breaks. I think you've made enough enemies for one night. 
Okay, so now once we have iyyaka na'budu, actually one more thing about iyyaka nasta'in is we ask for help. Now the thing about asking for help, I'll make it simple. If I say, hey, uh, Musab, could you help me? Musab is confused. Why? Because I said, could you help me? And he says, okay, what do you want? No, no, just help me. You want to help? Okay. Now he's standing there, sitting there confused. I'm acting all awkward. The problem is when you ask someone for help, you have to tell them what the help is. You can't just say, help me. You have to specify, could you get me some water? Could you do this? Could you, do that? you understand? You have to specify. But in the Fatiha, you just said, we need help. We need your help. We're asking for your help. We want your help. Okay, in what? We want your help in guidance, we want your help in deen, we want your help in taqwa, we want your help in health, we want your help in security, we want your help in... You didn't specify. You didn't specify because the list is so long that you just have to say, we just want your help. Which means we want his help in what? Everything. We want his help in everything. That's the first implication. The second implication of not mentioning what do you want help in is very obvious. Imagine that you are falling off of a cliff, hanging on by one hand. What do you say? Help! You don't say, excuse me, I am hanging at a very high altitude with one hand and possibly if I fall there will be severe internal injuries leading to death. So therefore, could you please assist me in lifting my... No, you just say what? Help! When you're desperate, you're short on words. Isn't it? Iyaka nasta'een is actually the desperation of the human being. We need help. Just, we need your help and only your help. There's a desperation in these words. That is so powerful. And by the way, I told you this is the story of someone coming to Islam, right? They just came to Islam and they desperately turned to Allah and when someone finds Allah, when they finally find Allah and they ask His help, they know that the most important thing to ask Him of all the things, they want risk in their life, they want provision in their life, they want safety, they want happiness, they want all these things. But the one thing they just found right now that they don't want to lose is the right course. And that's why of all the things you asked him for, when you said, we seek your help, the only thing you specified was, اِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطِ mustaqim. Because that's also asking for help, isn't it? Asking for guidance is asking for help, isn't it? So of all the things, you realize the most important is guidance. It's guidance. Fatiha led you to the conclusion that the most desperate need you have and I have is guidance. I like to compare guidance to water. Every few hours you get thirsty. You need it. You need it. You can't just say, I'm not in the mood for water today. You need fluids in your body. Human beings that come to this conclusion realize they need guidance and they need it not once and they have it and they're not in the mood. They need it again and again and again and again and again. And Allah Azza wa only gives when you ask. This one thing. Guidance, everything else He gives you without asking by the way. He gives you food without asking. He gives you security without asking. He gives you risk without asking. 
He gives you lots of things without asking. The one thing He will not give you without you seeking and you asking is what? Guidance. So for your sake, He lets you come back to Him, stand in salah, and ask Him again, and ask Him again, and ask Him again, and ask Him again, because you need it. And you can't just have it once and you're, you're set for life. Some people say, man, I used to be on balal, I used to be on misguidance and Allah guided me, alhamdulillah, now I'm guided. You know, I feel bad for all those people who aren't guided. Like, really? What are you asking Allah for? You already got it. It is so precious and it is so quickly removed that even the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has to stand in front of Allah and ask Him for guidance every time. Every time. It's not something you get to keep. It's, it's just not. We can't have it. We have to keep asking for it. You can't just keep it in your pocket. You can't pass it down to your children. So many people are concerned, I want my child to be a Hafiz of Qur'an. What's the point if your child has memorized Qur'an and they have no idea what this guidance is? They don't even love it. You have to yell at them to memorize. They grow up hating the memorization of the Qur'an. They run away from it the first chance they get. You gave them hifth, you got to say my child is a hafiz, but you didn't give them guidance. You didn't give them, even give them the love of it. I can't guide anyone. I can't guide my kids. I can't guide my spouse. I can't guide anyone. All I can do is share what I have found. And hopefully Allah will open their heart too. But you know what? We think if somebody memorizes the Qur'an, they'll have guidance. If somebody gets a good Islamic education, they'll have guidance. No, 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 no. hold on a second. It ain't that cheap. You can't just go to university and get guidance. It's not found in the university. It's not found in memorization. Guidance is only coming from above. It will not come from anywhere else. And it will only come from the one who asks. Speaking of asking, was the asking desperate or casual? We already established this. It was desperate, yes? Now check this out. If I am thirsty, I'm sitting there in somebody's house. Hey, can I have some water? Sure. And they forgot. 15 minutes went by, they didn't bring any water. I'm not dying of thirst. I'm, I'm annoyed, but I'm not dying of thirst, so I'm okay. But if I was dying of thirst, <laughs> please, some water, please, <sighs> then 15 minutes will kill me. Yes? So will I keep asking? And the attitude with which I ask, will it be different? The more desperate I am, the desperation is not in my words. Remember, desperation is not in words. Desperation is in attitude. What is the attitude when I recite Fatiha? What is the attitude when I say al-mustaqim? The attitude is everything. Because our attitudes, our emotions come from our heart. Words you memorize, you can recite all the time. Easy. And Allah does not concern Himself with words. He concerns Himself with words that come from where? The heart. So you can ask Allah, you can recite Fatiha and not ask for guidance. It's possible. You can recite the words with proper tajweed but not ask for guidance. That's also possible. You can recite it very beautifully. Everybody loves your recitation. Everybody really enjoyed listening. 
but you didn't ask for guidance. You could stand in front of the Kaaba and not ask for guidance. It's a tragedy. Because all of this is happening inside. All of it. Guide us. Now let's talk a little bit more about the, the, the logical side of this. It's very rational. It's, it's you know, to me very powerful too. A master and a slave. That's the relationship, yes? Practically speaking, how do you know someone is a slave? What would you see? You would see that there are some signs that this person is a slave. The biggest sign is they never do what they want. They always do what the master wants. Isn't that very common sense? It's not complicated. This person is clearly a slave because whenever I say, hey, let's do this, he goes, no, no, let me ask the master. Clearly this person is a married person. No, I'm a slave. <laughs> right? So now, if that's the case, I cannot be a slave if I don't know what the master wants. Think about that. If I don't know what the master wants, I'll do whatever I want. But if I do whatever I want, I'm free. The whole definition was, I have to do what the master wants. In other words, the, until the master gives me instructions on what it means to be a slave, I won't know what it means. Which necessitates that as soon as you accept Allah as Rabb, Master, which means you've accepted yourself as what? Slave. slave. That the first logical step is to ask for instructions as a slave. Which is the, the request for guidance. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ Is the commitment. Practically, first step, اِهْدِنَ الصِّلَاةَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Guide us to the course. The straight course. Okay? Notice in the Qur'an, there are multiple occasions, dozens of occasions, where Allah mentions Rabb and guidance together. كَلَّا إِنَّا مَعِيَّ رَبِّي سَيَهْدِينِي إِنَّنِي هَدَانِي رَبِّي إِلَىٰ صِلَاتِ مُسْتَقِيمِ Huda and Rabb, Huda and Rabb, Master and Guidance, Master and Guidance, Master and Guidance, constantly, because it is by definition, a slave must get guidance, in order to have a master, because otherwise there is no relationship. It's only defined by the instructions of the master. That's how it's defined. You know? Now, another beautiful comment by some, they've, they've commented on the word Huda, guidance, that, and how it's related to Hadiyah, Gift. Someone who's lost and someone who's guided, right? That's the contrast. Now, for the Arabs, where do you get lost? The desert. And when you get lost in the desert, the most important gift you can get more than water. More than water is guidance. Because somebody can drop a bottle of water on you and say, See ya. And you'll go around in circles. But if somebody gives you guidance, they've actually saved your life, isn't it? The biggest lifeline in the, in, for the lost is guidance. So now we're asking Allah for the greatest of all gifts. For us who were lost and now don't want to ever be lost again. Before I move on from this idea of guidance, I do want to share one more thing with you. Is the difference between having knowledge and having guidance. There's an important difference that I should remember, that you should remember. Having knowledge and what? Having guidance. And another difference that you, should, you and I should remember is having, being Muslim and having guidance. Let's talk about the difference between having knowledge and having guidance. You can have a lot of knowledge of the Qur'an, but still not have guidance. You can have a lot of, you can be a Muslim, but still not have guidance. 
Because guidance is actually not one act. When somebody took the shahada, they took their first guided act. Every moment, we need to make a series of decisions. And you could make the right decision or you could make the wrong decision. And in every one of those decisions, you need somebody's advice. And Allah is saying, I am willing to give you constant advice on every one of those decisions. I'm willing to help you and assist you in every one of those decisions. This is the idea of seeking Allah's guidance. The choices we have to make on a day-to-day, minute-to-minute, hour-to-hour basis are those choices within Allah's guidance or beyond Allah's guidance. That's actual guidance. So you could look like you're religious, you could look like you're observing one aspect, you could dress in a hijab and jalbab, or you could have a beard and you can have, you know, you could recite Quran perfectly and have a lot of knowledge of fiqh and sharia and all this other stuff, you know, you could be speaking in front of a crowd and people recording you and thinking they're going to get guidance from what you say, but that doesn't mean you have guidance or I have guidance. Actually, that is only in the hands of Allah and it has to be gone back to over and over and over again. There's never going to be a point where I can say I finally have it. Islam I have. When I wake up and you ask me, do you have Islam? I, I'm Muslim. Knowledge you can keep. You learned something yesterday, you can keep it today. No problem. Knowledge you can even increase. Guidance, however, is only increased by Allah and only maintained by Allah. And it can be given and it can also be taken away. The moment you start, stop appreciating it, it can be taken away. It can be taken away. And, and you can tell guidance, you can experience guidance with how emotionally connected you are with Allah in your salah. The practical gauge for it is how, how much are you moved in your prayer and how much are you moved in your dua? How much do you actually converse with Allah Now that's a little bit about ihdina. Let's talk quickly about as-sirat al-mustaqim, inshaAllah. <laughs>